All right, we're back, unfrozen and getting rid of the Wi-Fi bots on another episode of the Media Monsters podcast with an amazing, awesome, special guest, author, podcaster, amazing human being, horse trailer driver, all-around amazing person, Lori Jewett. Well, that is one heck of an intro. I like that. <laughs> and you can tell that you guys have, have heard my book because uh, I like that little horse trailer driver plug in there. <laughs> it's an important part of what you do now. So, Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited to be here. It's been a blast working with you all on the audiobook and soon-to-be podcast. And I'm just I'm, I'm excited. That's good. You know, Lori, you know, so we, we were talking about this offline a little bit, but there's so many things that happen in the course of one single human being's life. And, you know, you can be organized, you can be a logistical dynamo, but at the end of the day, there's certain things that you can't plan for. And, you know, it's, it's amazing because it's almost a test that, you know, people get pressed with, you know, the resilience of the human spirit. So the last three years for four years, what have been the biggest things that you've had to overcome? Um, a lot, actually. A, uh, a complete career shift has been huge. Um, and it's one of those things, actually, I was talking on a podcast yesterday, that it's one of those things that seems like the absolute worst thing in the world at the time. You know, I think everybody's had those moments where they just felt like their world was crumbling. And almost instantly, it became the absolute best thing for me. I have kind of like a butterfly, right? That was like the, the, I got put into that cocoon caterpillar phase and came out just, um, a completely different person. And it, it, it was, I'm not saying it was easy, but you know, with the right support system and the right circle, I was led in the right direction and able to go from a career, which wasn't awful. I mean, it was income producing and I was able to help people, but it wasn't fulfilled. And I don't, I didn't really realize that until it was over that it was like, oh, that was not where I really needed to be. And now I'm able to pour into people through the book, the audio book, podcasts, um, booked on two stages, things like that. So yeah, it was, that is, I would say the hardest thing in the last three or four years that I've had to overcome by, by far. <laughs> so two stages, is that something new, Lori? Um, yeah, within the last well, within the last week, um, I got booked on a, a stage in Pennsylvania, the Slaymaker Summit in October, and then I'm going to be on the stage at the Total Boss Cincy event in December, which I'm excited about that one because uh, that audience, I do not have to slow down my speaking for. So super pumped up about that one. <laughs> Lori, that's crazy. So you, I mean, you know, with everything that you've gone through and, you know, you kind of referenced something about... Um, you know, just kind of looking back going, I really didn't enjoy that time of my life. It wasn't like the thing that I would have picked for myself. And, um, you know, personally, I've been in that situation in terms of, um, like working in mortgage. It was great. You know, it was a great way to make a living, but it wasn't the preferred way. Jeremy, have you had a situation like that where you were just like, eh, eh, I don't like it. Or are you the exception? <laughs> <laughs> just being in the retail space um, and having to do a support moment. And, you know, we, we all have to kind of make choices in the moment, but what it really solidified was how much you needed to be or how much I needed to be in this entrepreneur space and in the creative space and really 
trying to help people bring their voices alive. So Lori, like on, on your journey that you've taken so far, like looking back and, and having one of those jobs that, you know, you know, you're like, yeah, it's a good lifestyle. I learned a lot of stuff and all the typical things that people say, what were, what were some of the most profound revelations in terms of, you know, your life moving forward from this point? Yeah, that honestly, I learned lessons from that and I don't regret and, you know, it's cliche to say, but I have no regrets of anything that's happened. Um, and the, the biggest thing I've learned is even from being, I, I just, I didn't love being in a leadership position and I didn't know that I didn't love it because I was told that's what I was supposed to do. Right. Everybody says you're good at it. You're supposed to do it. Um, but I didn't love that, but I learned so many lessons from that and the, that, that personal development stage that I'm able to move forward and use that to help other people. That's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest lesson is that even though that's not where I am meant to be now, everything that I got from that, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, I talk about it in my book, as you guys know, even the, the horrible experiences that, you know, the haters of the world, they taught me lessons. They taught me how not to get walked all over and how to set boundaries so I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of times we look back on things that happened in our life and we're like, oh, that was so awful. And I, I, and I've, I've been there too. Trust me. I spent like a month in bed after, um, you know, our, our career ended abruptly. And I say our, cause my husband and I worked together, but it, it didn't take me near as long as I expected to get to the point where I'm like, oh, wow, here's the lessons that I'm able to extract from that. And the personal development that I went through in the process of that career taught me those things and got me to that point. You know, it's amazing. And if you don't know that story, you need to check out ADHD. We've got Lori Jewett on with us right now. So if you're just tuning in and catching this message, it's a great book. And I loved it. It was one of the, probably one of the easiest, you know, projects that we've had the chance to work on. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, you're talking about that time. Like you, you, it's almost like a reclaiming of your time. The universe stepped in and said, Hey guys, you know what? The Jewett family doesn't belong here anymore. You guys are, we're going to, and it's, it's crushing, right? You talk about some of that. I mean, you, you know, you doubt yourself, you question yourself, you, you know, I think sometimes we put ourselves on this measuring block that we can't in our minds, we're not supposed to live up to because that's not our intended path. So, but we also don't have a clear cut intended path because it's unraveling and unfolding. Like you said, with the lessons that we have to learn. So what, what happens now? Like you're on stages, you've written a book. Um, hey, what's, you know, what, what's next for you? in terms of where you're going, what's, what, what do you think is the overall mission? I'm always curious about that for, for us, because it's kind of like a blind faith type of thing that we run into. Some things are real clear just based on the actions we should take, but what, what is that for you? Yeah. So I'm literally in that. I'm, it's funny that you said it in that way because yeah, I, the overall mission, I, I kind of see, I have a vision for, but it's evolving every single day. It seems like it's evolving and it's not, it's not me doing it. I'm just, I finally learned to just let go and, and trust the process and let things happen. And I, I don't know what the next steps are, but I know what the end result is going to be. I want to impact people and influence people that have something, whatever it is, maybe that's ADHD like me, neurodivergence. It could be, you know, past trauma, whatever, but I want to inspire people to take whatever it is that they feel like they need to hide that would hold them back if they, you know, shouted it to the world and reframe that and use it to catapult them forward. 
I spent so much of my life trying to tone myself down and slow down my speaking and my like, ah, and not play with my fidgets and things in front of people um, as I have my silly putty. But I, I think that <laughs> it's not in my hair yet. We're good. We're golden. But I, I think it's important for people to realize that because it was a long time. I was, I mean, it was only about two years ago that I started hearing people talk about using those things for good and not burying it and and hiding it from the world. So I think we all have something, whether, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a neurodivergence or ADHD or anything like that, but we all have something that we can use to make an impact on other people. And that, that getting that message out there is the end result. Not sure how I'm going to get to that end result, but we're, we're making progress. The stages in the books and the podcast are a start. I really like what you said about like, sharing your story and it doesn't matter what your thing is. What's something that you learned and discovered about that process as you were writing your book? Like, I know that it took you a minute and I know that you not only had to work through just being an author and also being an author, I understand how grueling and frustrating and um, also joyous that process can be. But what was it that you discovered in your process as you were going through that writing process? So I did not know that the writing process, specifically the recording the audiobook, and I'll, I'll dive into that in just a second, but I did not know that it was gonna be a self-discovery process for me. I did not know that it was gonna be, that process was gonna be like therapy to myself. And you and I kind of touched on this before we hit record this morning, but writing the words, going through and rereading them during editing, I learned a lot about myself. I dove deep and discovered a lot of things. And then going back in and reading it, and I'm proud of myself. I didn't cry. I didn't melt down, I think. Maybe I melted down and I just don't remember it. But no, I'm just kidding. But I, I, didn't, I didn't cry or melt down or anything. But even reading my words out loud into that microphone with the headphones. And if you guys have never like recorded anything professionally, it's super cool because your voice sounds awesome. We all hate the sound of our voice when you have those like fancy headphones in and the fancy mic in the studio. It's like <laughs> I kind of felt like a rock star. Right. And so hearing the words that I wrote, the story of my life and my journey and experiences. That in itself was a self-development journey. Every you know, we, we talked about it. Jeremy, and I talked about it. I've done eight hour podcast days. I've done days where I podcasted and interviewed people for eight hours straight. But the emotional part, not only that, the voice part, but thank goodness Jeremy has all the like teas and stuff that uh, kept me with hot liquids. But the emotional part of it was draining, but in the in a good way. It was in a self-discovery way. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned through the book writing process is I had absolutely no clue, no clue that it was going to be self-discovery and going to catapult my personal growth the way that it did. It was a catalyst, I think. Yeah. And by the way, Lori was actually a rock star in the studio. She crushed it, literally. Um, we we hit a couple of potential snafus and she got through them. Um, and for the record, she did not shed a tear, although I feel like there were some highly emotional and reflective moments, um, which always happens anytime you're behind a microphone and especially when you're speaking your words to your story. Yeah, I'm curious. Did y'all find in editing that my voice cracked? Because I know there were a couple of times and I'm like, oh, I think my voice cracked. G getting emotional. 
I think that's the thing that made your your you narrating your book so powerful is that you can you could hear the subtleties. There wasn't like out outward crying or anything like that or emotional meltdowns, but but I was there with you and I was in the moment as you're telling me the story and I'm imagining the picture that you're painting, you know, with the visit from, you know, the regional person and there's the antagonist in the story, you know, the person that's gunning for your spot and your agency and you know, people just making your life hell inside it. Cause I've worked in the mortgage industry. There are people that I'm like, man, I wish I could just fire that person and bury them <laughs> in the ground someplace, but you can't, you know, you, so like you evoke the right emotion because it's your story. And I could like, I could feel it. And there are moments where I was like, man, I'm, I hate that. Like, I just want to give you a hug now because I know what that's like to go through that. And um, I'm sure many people do too, Lori, but the way mm -hmm. that you delivered that really connected your story, not just to me, but also it's going to do that for the listeners to anybody that hears that book. Well, thank you. And I think that, so I'm glad that I didn't like sound overly, you know, sobby, but I, I, I think that that is something that I, I've been telling people, anybody that I know that is like, you know, talking about writing a book, recording it in your voice. I will not listen to an audiobook that is, unless it's something that Danny has narrated. But when we're talking like a, you know, a self-help book or something Wyatt. like that, yeah, Danny's, I'm like, I've listened to, yeah, all Danny's narrations or most of them. But when, for me, I didn't want anybody else reading my book. I didn't want it to be in someone else's voice because they didn't experience those emotions. They didn't experience the pain and the joy and the excitement. And I think that that is, that's something that if anybody is considering an audiobook, which you should, 100% should, because there's people like me that will not read the book. And that's why I wanted to do the audiobook at the same time, because my ideal client is not going to read a physical book. So we had to do the audiobook at the same time, or the message isn't going to get out. Yes, I could, I, I could, I could sell books. Like people would buy books because, not to sound arrogant, but I, I'm like, somehow I'm a likable person. I don't know. People like me because I'm goofy. I think it's just because they get to laugh at me, but I, Nobody would listen to it. The message wouldn't get out. It would be on bookshelves, like the hundreds of books that I buy. Because every every person I know that writes a book, I buy between one and 10 copies, depending on lots of things. But so my bookshelves are full of books that I'm never going to open. You know, I, I listened to Jeremy's audiobook and then read the book book, which made it easier for me to actually read the book once I'd listened to the audio version. So and. For me, Jeremy's book being in his voice made it relatable to me. So record your audio book, people. Maybe we need to get a list of all of those books that are sitting on your shelf, Lori, of which ones don't have their audio book recorded yet. And it seems like we just found a lead gen situation. That's your lead gen. Yeah, here. I will. I will start making a list. And I, it's probably like 98% of them would be my guess. Because I can think of. Yeah three off the top of my head that I know did an audiobook, And one of those never aired the audiobook because she didn't like the way she sounded on it, which I cannot imagine. Even if I don't like the way I sound, I'll just never listen to it. We'll put it out there and I just won't listen because that was a lot of work, fun right. work, but still. Yeah. I love it. It's like dropping an album too, but you know, I think the work means more too, you know, and, and you brought up a very interesting point too, just in the way that the process, the way that people do things and, um, I'm like you, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm ADHD or, or, you know, nothing like that, but I had a child that was Jeremy 
had one too, right? So life is different. I wasn't there day to day with that particular child with my son. Um, but you talked about like the learning styles are different, right? So, and I think we're all like that. You said something earlier in the interview, neurodivergence. And mm -hmm. there's so many new different terms, new different discoveries. And this is great because the things that used to happen, the sit down, shut up, you go into the office, you know, the people with ADHD tended to get in trouble or they're in um, detention or even suspension in some cases, right? Or, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're not supposed to fit in a box. Not, none of us are. And the system and the, and the uniformity of the school systems and our educational processes are not designed to help everybody learn. And they don't care at the end of the day that we all have learning styles that are different. Mm -hmm. So talk on that a little bit, just in, you know, what neurodivergence is for those who might not know. Um, and, and some things that you've had to do to kind of cope. You were talking about the putty and stuff like that and your fidget spinner, but like, you know, have a discussion. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So neurodivergence really describes anything. And I, it, it's funny because I have used it so much in the last, you know, embarrassing amount of time it took me to actually finish this book. Um, but I, I, I've used that word so many times that to me, it's just like, it's just a word and everybody knows it. Right. But I was asked twice yesterday on interviews, what does that word mean? So essentially neurodivergence is basically something that makes your brain work a little bit differently. ADHD, autism, um, anything that, and I'm sure there's way more scientific term, but thankfully my book is not a scientific book because I wouldn't be able to, to make it through all that, but I'd get too bored because of my neurodivergence. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's essentially anything that makes your brain work a little bit differently. And, you know, there's neurodivergent and neurotypical. I don't think there's anything like normal or typical. It's, you know, the, the, the Amazon description of my book opens up with, are you normal? There's no such thing or something like that. And, the, the neurodivergent thing, it just means our brains work differently. It can mean that we need our, our putty and our, or our, if you look, there's actually like next to me, there's an entire basket of fidgets because if not, if I didn't have something to keep me busy right now, I would be like bouncing around and playing with things and chewing on stuff because for me to be able to focus, I have to keep my hands and mind busy, I guess, or I won't be able to focus on a conversation or a task or um, anything like that. And there's, you know, you have the same thing. If you think of, you know, a lot of autistic people, which is a neurodivergence, a lot of autistic people have sensory issues. They can't handle, you know, I, and the reason I bring that up is because I saw a reel on Facebook this morning um, of a mother of an autistic person that reached out to a company and asked if they could take the fleece out of some fancy jacket that the kid wanted. And th there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to wear uncomfortable clothes if you don't like them. And I'm, I'm not autistic, but I, I understand that because I hate the fuzzy. It makes me itch, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's like an ADHD thing too, but either way, those are things that make us different, right? Because there are people in the world that can have a full conversation without having to play with things and, and that's something that I want to do is get that word out there and make people understand. You know, I know fidget spinners and things like that are more popular in schools. But in the beginning, when that started becoming popular, it was misused by people that didn't actually need it. And then it caused problems and bannings and things like that. So the kids that actually needed it, my daughter being one of those, couldn't use them in school because they were being abused by people that didn't need them. 
Um, so yeah, neurodivergence is just, it's, it's such a broad topic in my book. I focus a lot, I mean, mostly on the ADHD aspect of it, but uh, one of the things that I want to do and I'm dedicating time to is educating myself on the other types and forms of neurodivergence so I can, you know, relate to and, and help those people too. Well, I love that. And I definitely can resonate because I have a, well, she just turned 20. Um, and she didn't get diagnosed until she was 16. Um, and we actually went through the full testing and everything. And what a game changer that was to just have knowledge of what her person needed. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was really powerful to be able to have access to that and to be able to help her and not only discover for her, but also for us, which also led, and this is a kudos to Lori, because Lori actually had her on her podcast. Oh. Um, and that did so much for confidence and talking. And Jenna actually created her own podcast about helping um, <laughs> teens and parents for ADHD teens so that parents could have an understanding of how to come alongside their teen. And this is probably my favorite part in a non-medicated way. Mm -hmm. I think that that is what the most powerful part about that is, is because she doesn't want that to be the thing that people just decide. She wants that to be like, there are tools and there are things, there's mm -hmm. baskets full of fidget spinners. There's our, you know, um, a, I know that a big part of some people in that neurodivergent space is the sensory system. And so things like fleece or like itchy things, or sometimes like silk or soft things like that drives skin nuts. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's really fun. And I'll just share this little story. It's really fun to like go like it was school clothes shopping with Jenna because like you, you'd know in a heartbeat, like whether that was going to work or not, like instantly she would just touch it and be like, nope, <laughs> not at all. I can or relate like to she'd that. Climb I'm into it and like you'll never get her out of it, which is also why she steals dad's sweatshirts all the time because she'll never get out of those, <laughs> which I'm okay with. You are incredible um, as a human and a person. Well, I appreciate y'all having me on, and I feel the same about y'all. The the whole process of the audiobook and getting started on the podcast really fantastic. Lori, if people wanted to be able to connect with you and get your book, since I believe it already became a best selling ebook. And get your audiobook. Where can they connect with you? Um, actually, all the links are at lauriejewett.com. So you can you can find me on social media by um, all the iterations of the book, everything like that at lauriejewett.com. Make sure you connect with Lori Jewett. And again, Lori, thank you so much for, for coming on today. And listen, make sure you follow us. If you're listening to this, you can catch us on our Media Monsters channel. On YouTube, it's Media Monsters 1111. Make sure you find us on Facebook, too, under Media Monsters. We'd love to have you on there. And listen, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this with somebody who needs to hear this, especially somebody from the neurodivergent community. They are rising, finding solutions to everything. And it's a beautiful world, too. So thank you again. Remember, continue to be a media monster. Rawr. <laughs>